it's a famous law case, and uh, you know the headlines in the local paper then were canoeists trying to take land from the landowner, yeah. that sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> shotgun in hand for, for, for many decades. <laughs> yeah. So helped save the mulberry. That's right. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle Veet on the mic as always, and I am joined by Mr. Kyle Plunkett as always. Good afternoon or morning, depending on when you're listening. That's right, man. This one is is a little special to me personally because we interviewed the owner of Turner Bend. And if you don't know what Turner Bend is, I might have to question how real of an Ozark in you are. If you're driving the pig trail, Highway 23, this is the stop. It's a famous spot. It's special to me because... I grew up on a property down near the Mulberry River, and as a child, I went into this store constantly every week to buy bubblegum candy, so I remember going to this place a whole lot. So getting to hang out and talk with the, the owners of Turner Bend was, was pretty cool. We talked about the history of Turner Bend, how Brad got the store, how he acquired it, and just kind of how it's changed over the last 40 years since he purchased it. And the story I didn't know is the story of saving the Mulberry. Oh, baby. We didn't know we were going to get into that. No idea. Fun episode. Hope you guys like it. In the the third building that's, uh, that Turner Bend is occupied, third Turner Bend store, uh, we completed this building in the spring of 87. Um, the first Turner Bend was down by the, the landing. There's, a, there's an old well there. And the road that our driveway that goes down to the landing was the old highway. And it was a different bridge over the Mulberry until 1935 when uh, this one-lane bridge was re- replaced by the current bridge. So uh, the store was moved to its c- current location after, when the new bridge was completed in, in 35. New, I say, now it's approaching <laughs> 90 years old itself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the Turners at that time built a, a store right on the highway and occupied that from 35 until the I think it was 77 was the last year that the Turners ran Turner Bend. Okay. And Turner Bend was closed one year, and then they leased it out for a couple of years, and then I showed up, and I had been a customer in, in, of Turner Bend for three or four years prior to that, but uh, in in the spring of 81 was when I uh, purchased the place. And, okay. And moved in the back of the old store and uh, rather foolishly thought I was going to Make my stand here. But I'm still here. You are still here. <laughs> it doesn't sound foolish. You've done it. You, you've made your stand. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious now. I didn't even know that there was a Turner family. What were they like? Prolific. There were a lot of Turners. Really? Uh, now, Champ Turner and his wife, Flora, were the managers, owners of the store at that time. They, they had, and they had spent decades here. And they raised three sons in the back of the store. I mean, it was a tiny store building, un- uninsulated, extremely hot building. And, and half of it was living quarters and half of it was a store. Mm. When I took over, I lived in the back of the store. Yeah. No, no, no break. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you lived in the business and uh, people would knock on, if, even if you tried to close, they'd beat on the door. Yeah, I know you're in there. And, uh, <laughs> so you hardly got a break. And, and it was, it was, oh, it was so hot in there. And then freezing cold in the winter too. 
But in about a year and a half, I moved out of there into a little shack that was left over from the 1935 bridge construction. It was just a roof, really, and didn't even have three walls, or didn't have four walls, had three. And no running water, and, and cured that about a year later. And, uh, you know, then a few years, well, that would be by 10 years later, I built a, a cabin, 800 square foot for us to live in. And uh, by then, I'd married my wife in, in 86. Right about the time we had our son, Jack, it was when we moved into this cabin and eventually tore the, the old shack down and then eventually built our home there. So I've lived in four spots on the property here. Okay, since 1981. Yes, but the, but the last move was in 98. So back of the old store to the shack, to the new cabin in 86, and then new home in 92. Okay, gotcha. What all does Turner Bend do? As I think about the Mulberry and people who come here to visit and um, float and, and do all the things, well, how do you guys service uh, customers and how do you guys service the area? Well, the reason I got into this, I was just so, uh, I'm from Louisiana and making these trips up here to go, you know, run the river. I was just captivated by it totally. And I thought, well, you know, I, there's bound to be a way to make this at least somewhat work, or at least I'm willing to g give it a try. I knew it was going to be a seasonal and that it, you know, quickly found out really what I became was a storekeeper because mm -hmm. that's a year round thing. Yeah. And then the, you have to gear up to be, you know, the outfitter when the river and weather allows. Um, but that was my, you know, the reason I was here was to try to try to be an outfitter. And, you know, that, it was timing was right. People, a lot of people had floated the Buffalo River and were looking for something a little more challenging. And uh, here we were offering this service. I mean, it was within a couple of years, they were just beating the door down to get in to, to you know, rent canoes. Yeah, they go, go down to the Mulberry. They got to rent your canoe, and you might put you in the back of a truck and take you upriver. <laughs> but, you know, we, and we developed a, a real loyal following. Uh, some of the same people are, are still coming 40 years later. Wow. I mean, it's, it's part of their life is making a trip here. Yeah. And, I mean, going back then, um, really, in the late 70s, early 80s, it was more of a uh, an out-of-state thing. Kansas City, Louisiana, you know, Texas, what, whatever. Um, in particular, Kansas City. And, and then I'd say North Louisiana. But uh, often the boaters were from elsewhere. Mm. And the locals didn't take to it as quickly. In fact, there was some, I don't know about opposition, but just, just hesitancy about the whole thing. And, and now it, uh, it's very much a local pastime. Yeah. And everybody's got their own kayak and, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it, it's more of a local thing now. Most of the people you see come in here are actually from Arkansas, from the area. Especially once the weather warms up. Now are there, we, these loyal out of state people still come and they tend to come a bit earlier cause that's not, they know that's when you're most likely to catch the best water. Mm. Uh, so early season is, is, uh, primarily, you know, these hardy out of state folks. And, and then you get a little bit warmer. Let's say you get into May and, and it becomes the more of a local thing and they're, the weather's more important than the water to them. Yeah, right. They're here for the good times, floating down, right, fishing a little bit. I wonder why it took a while for the locals to catch on. I wonder what that is. 
I'm just curious as to your best guess. Just pontificating. Yeah. I, I've wondered the same thing. When I, when I got here, I said, well, gosh, why, why is it, am I just a fool? Why, why is it somebody from 300 miles away appreciate this more than the guy <laughs> three miles away? Yeah. But it, it, it took just took a while. And, but now it's, and, you know, it's, it's totally accepted and part of, part of what they do. Yeah. So how would you describe the mulberry? And, and maybe as it relates to other rivers that we have here in the Ozarks. Well, I think each each uh, river, creek's got its own thing. You know, Crooked Creek's known for great smallmouth fishing. Sure. Uh, the buffalo, you know, can't beat the scenery there. Uh, right. The mulberry, uh, you know, more challenging than the buffalo by by a bit, not just extremely a lot more, but but more challenging. And then, you know, maybe even a step above that is, or at least equal, is the big piney. Mm. And then in terms of the, and along the way, there's the kings, you know, it, it falls in there in the, the scenic fishing category. Right. So each river's kind of got its own personality. Um, the mulberry's characterized with uh, quite a bit of access on the, especially on the upper end. So that, that fits the, what a lot of people are looking to do, um, you know, show up and make a four-mile, six-mile, eight-mile run, maybe not even devoting the whole day to it. Maybe, um, you know, work a little bit and then get here and, and make a float. Yeah. So it's pretty accommodating in, in that regard. Uh, you know, got in some places the roads right near the river. Uh, so, it, you know, you can, you can have a few hours and you can show up and, you know, have a good time on the mulberry. Right. You know, I think back some history that I at least have heard of or know of is there were, it used to be a lot of private landowners, or I, I think it is still a lot of like adjacent private landowners um, and access has changed and opened up over the years. But back in like the 1980s, wasn't there some big case here in terms of riparian land ownership? How far you go to the middle? Is it, the, do you own the river? Can people float by? Well, it's a, it's a famous law case and, uh you know, it's if you take a course of real estate law, you probably will. They'll probably touch on that subject, and it's not entirely settled now as to you know what, what if you're a trespasser or you know if you're standing between the high water marks fishing, for instance. Right. Uh, you're standing on property that maybe you're in the water, and then the landowner might say, "You're standing on my land," but, but yeah, but I'm between the high water marks, and uh, but in the case of the mulberry, <clears throat> a local landowner. Up, up river from here at the low water bridge, uh, said that the river flowed through his property, and and therefore he owned the river because he owned both sides. He and and the land that the river flowed over. Oh, okay. So so since he owned the land that the river flowed through, he owned the river. Well, he won in local court. Hard to believe now, but that that was the case. And uh, well, the Ozark Society. Uh, you know, they had been, of course, instrumental in saving the Buffalo River. And, the, well, they jumped in and actually they were party to the suit. They were sued because they had a booklet called The Mighty Mulberry. And, and so he sued the, the Ozark Society and the only outfitter on the river at the time, which was Wayfarer of the Ozarks. Hmm. All ended up in court. And, well, they, they won in local court here in, in Ozark. And, you know, in the headlines back then, you asked about, uh, you know, reluctance to, to float. Well, heck. You know, the headlines in the local paper then were, you know, it was almost like, you know, canoeists trying to take land from 
the landowner, that's, yeah. that sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> well, it, an interesting thing, the the case was appealed to the state supreme court by then Attorney General Bill Clinton. Really, before he became governor of Arkansas, and so it got appealed to the state supreme court. State supreme court reversed the ruling and said no. Navigability doesn't just mean commercial barge traffic. It also includes recreational use. So at that point, it was legal to float the mulberry. Still didn't settle the issue of if you got out, you fell out of your boat, and yeah. you're standing in shallow water. Trying but, to you know get the water out yeah. and you dumped over. I think you know Arkansas trespass law says that you're, you're, if you're between the high water watermarks, you're legal to do that, but... Uh, that landowner in particular would disagree with that. He would disagree, and he and, was, and he, he disagreed vociferously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shotgun in hand for, for, for many decades. <laughs> yeah. So Bill Clinton helped save the mulberry. That's right. Uh, you know, and you can be around some people that that uh, you know maybe their political persuasions lean far yeah. differently than than Bill Clinton. Sure. But you can kind of disarm them with that. Say, mm -hmm. well, um, okay, I, maybe you don't like the man, but here. How about this? Yeah, you know, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. What was that case called? You may have said Kyle, but I didn't. I didn't catch I it. I didn't say, but I. It's, I've got an article about it on, on the wall. Do you? Here, here. Uh, I can't quote it correctly. What the name of it yeah. was, but I remember. So that this is a the case is especially unique and interesting. Just the one that I almost died over. <laughs> yes. So my friend Kyle Plunkett here, Brad, we were fishing in a stream that was not deemed navigable. But it was plenty navigable enough for a canoe or a kayak to float down. We were fishing in it one day. Not deemed officially. Not officially deemed, right. And we were trying to argue with an angry landowner whether or not we should or shouldn't be there. And Kyle, in the middle of the argument, goes, well, actually, according to this court case in 1980, blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, I don't really give a damn what that court case said. <laughs> blah, blah. You know, he cocked his gun. He, we were like, okay, we're not going to die over yeah, we're this. Leaving. But he was trying to cite that court case you just mentioned. I had forgotten the name, but I read up on it before we went fishing. <laughs> I <that> remember. <laughs> oh, you were expecting trouble. Oh, uh, kind of a little bit. It, yeah, maybe a little bit. I well, was looking for it, but I may have been expecting it. Well, I'm not an attorney, but I think that ruling just referred to the mulberry. So it may be that you, there would have to be a, another thing that went to court that, right. would, that would refer back to that and say, no, that, that river is also navigable mm -hmm. like, like the mulberry is navigable. Setting precedents right. in, in other cases. But a, a reasonable mind would, would say, okay, the precedent's been set. Yeah. How has access changed over the years? The mulberry is, to my knowledge, it's mostly on private land, right? It goes through private land. Well, most of, uh, a, a huge majority of the property that flows into the Mulberry is, is National Forest. Okay. The Ozark National Forest. Right. But as people settled, uh, homesteaded, they tended to homestead the land along the river. It was the best land. Yeah. And and then as people, the area became depopulated, uh, maybe they gave up their land or sold it to the Forest Service, but they, they tended to keep the land along the river. Uh, so... What you have is maybe 90% of, the, of the, what flows into the river, I, I'm making that number up, but it, it might not be far off. That would be forest service land that flows into the river, but but around 50%, slightly over 50% of the mulberry, the banks of the, of the mulberry are owned by forest service. Okay. So there's a... So it's actually a lot more than I thought. Yeah, there's a lot of private land, but but not... But it's in the 50, 50 range. Yeah. Uh, access... Um, 
has greatly improved, I think, and I've, I've made that a big part of what I've done here. Um, in the beginning, there was just um, Wolf Pen, or Highway 103, and then Wolf Pen, and then Redding, and then Low Water Bridge. Well, that got, that was the source of the controversy. Mm-hmm. And then Turner Bend was private access, and and then Milton Ford down river. Yeah. And then another spot that was down as a, as a river exits the forest called Mill Creek. And there were really, Wolfpin and Redding were um, Forest Service access points. Well, in the, in the midst of that court case, the Forest Service didn't help. They closed the, the access points and, you know, they didn't want to take a stand in that issue. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, at any rate, uh, they, they've gone on and, you know, Years later, we, uh, you know, we've got a special use permit. Uh, Turner Bend does, and Birds does also to be outfitters on the river, and we, uh, you know, we have to pay a fee and 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 a percentage of what we do if it involves Forest Service access. Um, but since that time, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm not making it up. They've been very instrumental in, in, in fact, they even named High Bank and and. And Indian, then we Indian Creeks and access also, and Campbell Cemetery is a traditional spot where you could get to the river, but it was, I mean, you could get stuck getting down there too. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, urged the Forest Service to make improvements, and in one year they um, they made they improved the roads in the um, Campbell and High Bank, and so those became much more usable. And then uh, volunteer effort. Um, we built the landing at Camel Cemetery, um, and then then we formed the Mulberry River Society, which is a volunteer group and and led by a fellow that's, that's not with us any longer, Tom Perry. Uh, but we built two landings, one one year and one the next. I think it was uh, 2017 and 2018, or 16 and 17, uh, or 18 and 19, perhaps, but. Anyway, we one year we built Indian Creek. The next year we built the landing at High Bank. Mm, okay, and uh, beautiful, beautiful landings, and you know it didn't cost the the Forest Service anything. And then we had a big dedica- dedication there. You know, yeah. had, the, had the governor and the senators and and all there it was kind of kind of a big deal. And so a lot of the access on the Mulberry, uh, you know, like I, our counterparts on the Piney were saying, "Gosh, I wish we had the access that you guys do." And I said, "Well." You know, we built that. You got to work for it. We, yeah. we, we, you know, that was not the, the Forest Service's idea, or they didn't have the money, <laughs> or they didn't build that. They they just gave us permission to do it. Yeah. So you really have opened up, help help open up access on the Mulberry, and and do you feel like people more and more people come? The more access that we have, the more people are able to come and enjoy the Mulberry. Or why is that important to you to open up access? Well, safety is a big issue. You know, you you need, like, say, people get here and they they. Maybe they've only got uh, four hours or six hours. Well, they, if they don't have the right length float that they can take, they're going to j- jump on it anyway. Well, if, it, if the only thing that was available to them was a 12-mile float, they might not get done until it gets dark yeah. or after dark. Right. And so it, it helps us run our business in a safe manner, but it also helps the guy with his own boats that doesn't even come in Turner Bend. Uh, you know, I have an option so that you can tailor your trip Based upon the water level and how long, how much time you've got, so uh, I think it's, it's very important for safety having adequate access. You know, if there's a problem, you can get to the river and get 
get to somebody quicker if, if that were to happen. Yeah. Uh, but also crowding. Uh, the, the, the parking lots aren't huge at these places. So sometimes you, if you pull up on a peak day, you, you can't you can't get there. It's, it's, just, it's too full. Right. So you have to alter your plans, and maybe there's there's enough room here for you to start and take out there, you know, and uh, spread the spread the crowd out a little bit. Yeah. What would be some of your favorite floats on the Mulberry? Or, or if someone's considering coming down to check out the Mulberry, what are some of the highlights? What would you say are some, some good floats that you would mention for people to go check out? Well, uh, there's almost 40 miles of the Mulberry that's commonly floated. Okay. Um, now, the upper end where the access is more uh, readily available, that that's where most of the floating occurs because of the water's good and there's there's good access. So um, probably 80% of the, at least 80% of the floating that, that occurs on the Mulberry occurs above Turner Bend. Okay. Doesn't all end here. It might end at Redding. It might end at Birds. But uh, And the stretch, two birds, um, the gradient's about 16 feet per mile. Uh, then it slows to 13 feet per mile or so for the rest of its path. Okay. Uh, the lower end of the river is... is the least floated, but um, primarily because access is pretty limited, but um, very, very pretty down there. Beautiful bluffs down on the lower end. And, and, and a lot of people uh, maybe have been to the Mulberry several, time, several times, but they've never been there. Yeah. And and I, that falls on me, too. I, I My floating, being I'm in the business and uh, always trying to accommodate people, it's rare for me to take a whole day and just go able to get on the river it's usually just just a half a day or something so it's hard for me to make it to the bottom end of the river sure yeah you're working yeah could you float the whole thing in one day or is that is 40 miles just not possible it has been done it's been done in fact we even um wow issued a, awesome. a, a, a kind of for fun just said call it the uh wolf pin the mill creek challenge and and said you know do it but you've got to do it uh with the river no higher than four and a half and for us to count your time, we don't want anybody doing it yeah. when it's dangerous. Flood stage, <clears throat> just pushing you through a thousand miles an hour. Right, and then and doing it real fast and claiming you set the record. Well, we, we're not going to acknowledge that record, but <laughs> yeah. if you uh, if you do it under that level, then um, you know keep your own time. Come in and and we there was a handful of people that that did it. Really, in fact, one 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 father and son were here to go. Uh, just here to float the river, and they floated from Wolf Bend to here, and they were having so much fun. He, he came in, and it was, it was about noon. He says, I, "We're going to float. Will you come get us at Mill Creek later today?" I said, "Really? <laughs> yeah." And, and so that was not even really planned. I said, "All right, go for it," you know. And so, you know, others that did it, you know, picked the day and and maybe had um, somebody following them along to check on them, but but this. Father and son were just just game, and they just happened into it. How quickly could they do it? Because now I really want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm interested. It's been a while since anybody did it. I, I'd have to look that up, but I think uh, under seven hours uh, it is the record. I don't wow. know exactly. Okay. Probably paddling. Pretty, pretty much paddling the whole way. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, you can't. You can't just sit and float. No, but, that's not not floating. No. Yeah. That's it's really been cool. done solo too. Man, in a canoe. Cool. I don't think anybody's done it in a kayak that I know of. Well, it, it sounds like really we, we need somebody to come do that. Sounds like Yeah, we, we might have that. to reissue the challenge, you know, and get this thing going again. We might have to. Somebody could come break some records over here. 
I'll have to pull out the old records or, or we'll start start anew. There you go. I like it. What's the fishing like on the Mulberry? Do people come here to catch smallmouth? Do they say, do they rave about the fishing or what? what is your experience? You know, they don't really come here to fish. And sometimes they, when they do bring their rod, their rod, they end up losing it by turning over. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of discourage it unless we, people really know what they're doing. Sure. Uh, but but I'm told I'm I'm always so darn busy. But I'm told if you show up here in late May, early June, June, and the water's right, which it which is two feet, you know, just just barely enough to get over the shoals. Yeah, I, I've had people say, "Well, look, I've fished everywhere. This this nothing. This is as good as anywhere I've ever been." Really? Mm-hmm. Now that's not year round. That's not, and it's not happening that often. But but people that know how to fish uh, do well here. Yeah. I mean, I could see that being the case. Anytime you, you think about a place that's not maybe traditionally thought of as fishing or people kind of migrate here for the floating and they're not fishing, it could leave some pretty good holes untouched. Oh, absolutely. Where, you know, they're they're just settled in there and they're waiting for a good water day to eat some flies that you throw at them or whatever well, lure you got. You know, one fellow that works for us here, Mike Hurst, is, is a very good fisherman and he, yeah, he, he does well. He'd probably be mad that we're even talking about fishing. That's right. right I should, he probably... <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we covered before we came in a, a short story because, well, so I'll just leave a, cl- a cliffhanger. There's a story about a bear. Well, the, I've got one to follow up to that, but the, okay. but the first um, bear that was legally uh, killed in Arkansas, and you had to bring it into a check station, and Turnerman was a check station. So, so Turnerman could claim that, yes, we checked the first bear that was legally killed in Arkansas. That's cool. Now, one day I renting boats to people and uh, a lady had been walking around the store and she'd seen pictures that we have on the wall of you know hunters with their deer and and bear and so I'm, we're driving up river and the van's full of people and this this um, lady was sitting right behind me she's a sir sir I'm the shuttle driver and she said uh, uh, are there a, are there a lot of bears around here and so I referred to the. I said, "Oh yes, ma'am. You know, and I, you know, the first bear that was legally killed, blah blah blah." <laughs> and she says, "Well, that that that's not really what I meant. Uh, what I meant was, uh, are there a lot of bears down by the river?" Yeah. Boy, the van got real quiet. I said, "Oh no, ma'am. You know, bears are real intelligent. They <laughs> they know better than to come down to the river. There's so many snakes in the river. Bears would never come near the river." <laughs> oh man, the bears won't get you. The snakes will. The snakes. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would hate that. Yeah, she would. <laughs> what kind of events do you guys do? I know, I know, you guys put on some different events. What do you guys kind of do year round? Well, we we just got through having um, two signature events. One, we always try to have the first Saturday in March, and that's the annual cleanup day. We've done it thirty two years, and uh, you know it's very successful. We have two hundred plus volunteers show up for this, and. Um, 200 plus yes oh, wow. and, and it's it's become a we've had people that like for instance the illinois river uh flowing out of arkansas into oklahoma that fella uh came up and studied how we did ours so he could go back and have a cleanup there and and they they've got one on the king's river that's patterned after this yeah so it, it's not only um been way instrumental in helping clean this place up but also it, it, it that's spawned other events that are you know helping in, in other places so we had that just um you know the first 
what? March, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. And, then, um, and this was the 42nd annual Jungle Boater race. Yeah, what is that? Well, we, you know, we, at first we called it the, the Turner Bend Canoe Race. And then we uh, opened it up to kayaks. And uh, we borrowed the name Jungle Boater somewhere in year, many years ago from a, a friend of mine. He, he, he and some guys were paddling out east and uh and they were kind of thrashing around but making it down the river but you know long on spirit but kind of short on technique <laughs> and uh some some guy there that was you know, a guide he said well, you guys are just a bunch of jungle boaters and i love it so i loved it and I, I said look i'm i'm borrowing that name yeah you know? so it became the jungle boater race i love that name. i don't know what it means but it's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a jungle boater okay yeah i'm a jungle boater yes. cool so, yeah so what's so what's the event what how does it how well, does it go well it's a race from uh birds to here and that's eight miles okay and uh and we have a gong that we and the the slogan for the race is bang the gong get it on and so we we, <laughs> we we take this gong up to the start we and we bang it and then all right go men's tandem you know go and we, we start them by category and bang the gong oh, each, okay. each time a category starts so and then this year's well this year's was T-shirt was Jungle Butter. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's a lot of fun. We like I say we had a hundred boats in it this year. Uh, very very hard to crowd. And you split it up. You've got men's tandem. You've got singles. You've got ladies. Yes, we have paddleboard, men's paddleboard, women's paddleboard, uh, uh, ladies kayak, men's kayak. Uh, had a raft category. Um, Parent, child, geezer. You have to each be at least sixty. Geezer, <laughs> geezer solo, geezer tandem, uh, mixed tandem. It'd be just a guy and a girl. And then men's tandem is the last uh, category to start. Okay, man, that's cool. That sounds like a good time. It's a good time. How many uh, people raced this last year? Or a hundred boats, which I think I, I mean, I, that's a pretty good size. It's uh, a pretty good size race. Yeah, absolutely. What other what other kind of events do you do? Well, we host the Arkansas Canoe Club. I'm the okay. aforementioned, and I don't put that on. I'm just the host. Yeah. Of it, but uh, very very proud to do that. Um, and then we've, uh, you know, in, in the fall we've always had this. Um, well, in the spring we have a big turkey contest, and turkey with the longest beard. You know, well, that led to a lot of jokes. You know, we measured. One time we had a bunch of bikers here, and we were measuring their beard, see her, <laughs> which turkey had the longest beard. But uh, the big buck contest in the fall uh, is something we're going to always do, and we always have. Yeah. Um, well, here's a big one. We host host it. We don't organize it, but the, the Gambler 500. What is that? Is, yeah, it, it's uh, in the fall. and the, the, the rules are you have to buy a car for $500 or less. And then you can fix it up however you want to. You can spend as much money as you want. But then they show up here, and I don't know if any of them sleep the whole weekend, but they they have a big time, and they 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 bring in a trash dumpster and set it here, and then they go off through the forest on this course, uh, you know, following these pins that they've got to go here and go there and, and check in on the... Uh, with their phones showing that they've been to this spot, been to that spot. But it's supposed to be 500 miles through the forest in these old beat-up cars. And you might have one that's got a, a guy, you know, sitting in a saddle 
on the roof, and another guy, you know, they'll have steer horns coming out of it, and oh man, and one of them looked like the Batmobile, and the, and I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, and, and but they they go along, and they and they also have a contest who can pick up the most trash while they're doing all this. Okay, Mad, Mad, it's like Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max decides to pick up litter in the forest. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max saves the national forest. Yeah, I, I think that w- the event we host is the second. Uh, Gambler Five. I'm told the original one was in Oregon somewhere, and then somebody decided, "Hey, I'm going to have one in Arkansas." And so I think the one we host is, was the second one. Now there are others. It's just, you know, it's like a circuit almost. Hmm. It's spread. the The Gambler Five Hundred is spreading across the country. Yeah, I've got uh, one more question for you, Mr. Brad. Hit him. To you, what makes the Mulberry River special, magical, beautiful? Just all of the above. What makes the mulberry special? Well, I mean, one thing, the color of the river is 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 beautiful. This this jade color. I don't I think it's I think it's kind of unique to this river. Mm. Uh but the combination of of the scenery and, and and the you know, the it's not the biggest white water, you know, it's not the Cossetot or anything like that, but it, but an accessible white water that that works for most people. Uh you know, and the fact that we've been able to um it's now a, a clean place and relatively clean and, and with, you know, beautiful features up, up and down these landings. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been my home for over four decades now. Kind of what, what's kept you here for 40 plus years? You know, when I moved to Arkansas, I thought I didn't have a plan, but I, I thought I, you know, I like being in, business i'd had to take my dad's business over for a few years and i like that idea of being self-employed and and i want to make a difference while trying to make a living i want to i want to you know i didn't want to be like an activist just shouting about how things ought to be in the world i wanted to hands-on do clean things up myself or fix things up and 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 turner ben boy it needed some help you know it was run down Mm -hmm. There, there was garbage here um so that was you know that that just suited me that that the challenge of trying to make things better while and if I do that, you know people will come and and you know they'll see that you know they, hey that guy's trying to do right and then uh, you know I feel like if I do the right thing I can make a living here. Yeah, well it's definitely I know it's Turner Brin has made an impact on a lot of people's lives and people like I said at the beginning people who have come through the the Mulberry they appreciate the store for being here and standing for so many years and, you know, serving as a place to cater to people's needs and wants. And even for me, special, especially I, I grew up not far from here. Uh, my dad used to bring my brother and I in here all the time and we'd come in here and we'd buy bubble gum from your, from your shelf and we'd get a, a hat every now and then and a t-shirt. And uh, so it is a special place to me, just this whole area. But I do remember your store specifically as like a, a place in my mind of like, oh, we're going by Turner Band. We're going to go through the store. And it's just pretty cool to me that you've been here that long. Well, I, I, it's hard to realize I have been here that long. But, but you know, I, I mean, maybe to wrap up uh, the answer to that question, I, it's the, it is the people that come here. The cu- we have the most interesting customer base that you could imagine. Because, I mean, here's one guy comes in. He's a hiker from Wisconsin. And then the next guy is an off-road guy from uh, Kansas, uh, you know, and the next guy is, uh, you know, from Louisiana and here's here to do the whitewater. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have locals and, uh, we've got 
uh, Razorback fans traveling up and down the road yeah. and tourists on the way to Eureka Springs. And I mean, you can, on a busy day, you can talk to people from several different states uh, in here. Yeah. And so it, I mean, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brad, we appreciate you. Um, we appreciate the store and, and just you spending some time with us talking about the Mulberry. I know it's a place that a lot of people love. Um, so we really appreciate your time. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkans. And, of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com. Now, sit back and enjoy his song, American Millionaire. Well, I'm on the road.
But you know I'll be an American millionaire. 